I've seen lads in a very difficult situation, but they've gone, no, 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 I'm not going to respond in the same way. And I know one lad, these guys were trying to like stab him and cause him some problems. So someone in his family opened the boot of the car and said, oh, ego, like pick one of the weapons, just go and sort them out. And I'm talking like firearms and stuff. And he literally turned and said, no, I don't want to be like you. I'm living my life for God. Welcome, everybody. This is Simon Gilbo with Inspired. It's great to be back with you guys again. We've got another superb guest. Uh, If you're new to Inspired, it's all about uh, getting friends and contacts of mine from different walks of life doing fantastic kingdom stuff that are all in for Jesus. Some of them have been through really rough times, and yet their authentic sort of digging deep through sucker punches of life is, is inspiring, it's challenging, it's stirring. And uh, yeah, we've all got different journeys and different races to run, but uh, let's get straight to it. I'm really excited to have with us uh, an old friend. We go back about 15 years, Dave Sharples. Welcome, buddy. Good afternoon, sir. Mate, it's great to have you. So Dave and I basically see each other pretty much every year, apart from COVID, for the last 15 years-ish. We're trying to work out when New Wine North, probably the first time. But uh, And it's interesting because we were at Spring Harvest together a couple of months back, and... Uh, I was going through a rough time and Dave, uh, funny enough, we're both wearing the same top, <laughs> which, is, which, which is one of his grey, the four points uh, tops. Vintage grey, that one. Vintage yeah. grey. Yeah. And because I was having a rough time, he said, let me pray for you. And as he was praying for me, I was thinking, I love this man. He's great. And as soon as he finished the prayer, he said, man, I just love you. You're great. And <laughs> enough of this sort of brotherly loving, but I just, it's interesting. Bro-mance. Yeah, bromance. I, I think basically it's because we are similarly passionate. God's given us a, a, a race, specific race to run and we're we're all in and it's, sometimes it's that long obedience in the same direction, but it's there's some glorious punctuations of incredible fruitfulness, aren't there? And we're going to draw out those stories from from your life, Dave. I'm really excited about it. But, you know, each year we check in with each other uh, on these, be it Spring Harvest or New Wine or wherever it is, and you're flogging your gear and having great conversations with people. And, and you know, through your gear and the tracks you produced, and I mean, they've gone out to millions of people. And I love what you do and what you stand for. And, I, you know, it's, it's, there's so much beautiful fruit in there as well as it being a, a going business. So, look, let's go, go way back. Now, I, I don't know whether I insulted you or ever. Uh, last time we saw each other, I said, you know, talked, said you're a cockney. You're not a cockney, are you? What are you? I'm not. I'm a Sussex boy. So I was born in Brighton, um, so I've got a sort of South Coast accent, uh, which I've had all my life. Grew up in Seaford, uh, lived in Lewis, uh, support Brighton and Ove Albion. So yeah, I'm a Sussex lad. And uh, was it a smooth childhood? Any any key moments there you want to share? Do you know, I, I would say, I, when I talk about my testimony and life story, I always say, probably at the time didn't realize what an amazing childhood I had Mm -hmm. Um, got an amazing family an amazing Christian heritage Um, my mum was actually born in Sichuan uh, province in China so she's uh, mum and dad my granny and granddad were uh, missionaries with the China inland mission Uh, and I just grew up in New Frontiers Church in Seaford and just went to loads of like Bible holiday camps in the summer as a kid growing up and just lived by the sea, uh, by the Seven Sisters. I don't know if that's quite a well-known mm-hmm. sort of landmark. Um, just, uh, yeah, just had a beautiful childhood by the sea, going to the beach, playing golf, doing playing sports, doing all that kind of stuff. Quite picture postcard stuff. 
Um, looking back on it, I, I just, I never heard my mum and dad have an argument. It was just, I just wow. always felt really like loved and supported. Uh, I went off the rails a bit as a teenager, as quite often people do. Mm-hmm. Um, just being a bit of a, a cheeky chappy or a rascal or just sort of always wanted to be a comedian or do something funny. If someone dared me to do something, I'd probably do it. Um, but yeah, so it was a very happy childhood. And yet I associate you now completely with uh, Liverpool and you've been there more than half your life, haven't you? Yeah, so I came to Liverpool in 1988. Wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. I was quite into sort of computers, design. Um, so I did a sort of like graphics design course um, at Liverpool University. I was a games designer for a year. So that was kind of like my career. That's what I was doing. In 1993, I, by this time I'd met uh, my my sweetheart mm-hmm. uh, Steph. So we were engaged to be married, um, and it was about a month before um, we were due to get married. Um, I actually lost my job at the firm that I was working for. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost a big contract. Um, it was the sort of it was when PlayStation and all these different consoles were just first coming out. So I was on the cutting edge of sort of like games design. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I lost my jobs. So I was looking for somewhere to like where where we're going to live. Uh, we were going to buy this really nice sort of apartment down by the docks, um, but that obviously all fell through. And then someone said, "Oh, there's these flats down in Toxteth. Maybe you could go down and check them out." And I remember saying to Steph, "Like, oh, Steph, there's no way, there's no <laughs> way in the world I'm, I want to live there. Please, please don't. You know, we we can't." I, but it was like a week before the wedding, and I we literally had nowhere to live. Yeah. So we went to look at these flats. And we, I was really nervous. Uh, it was a very, very rough area. Um, yes, yeah, so for non-UK people, most people in the UK will know Toxteth because there were riots there. So literally the first yeah. word that comes to mind for an English person or, or a Brit would be Toxteth equals riots. So yeah. it's a sort of last place on earth you'd sort of want to live, was it? Absolutely, especially as newlyweds. And I just, you know, I was really did not want to be there. But I, like sort of, I think God was orchestrating it. And anyway, mm-hmm. we, we went there. There was a 24-hour security guard in these like like flats where we were looking to hire, uh, to, to rent a flat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we went around the corners and the, and the flat that we were looking at was number 77, Acorn Court. Mm-hmm. So it was like 77. I know people don't think too much about numbers and stuff, but then the actual name on the flats of that one block of flats, so there was about eight flats in that block, it was actually called Sussex Gardens. Right. And I just remember at the time, just, we both thought, oh my goodness, it's called Sussex Gardens. And as we both grew up in Sussex, um, so that's when we sort of met through the church in Lewis. Um, so we, we just felt very much that's where God wanted us to be. So that's how we ended up being in Liverpool and li- living in Toxteth. And was it a sort of minging place at the time where there's loads of crime and drugs and all sorts of gangs? Really big. Uh, there was a very big high-profile murder, literally like one minute from our flat the year that we moved in. So everyone was like in a bit of a panic. And yeah, there was a lot of drugs and gun crime uh, and sort of gang warfare going on in the community. So like we we were really quite scared. And our plan, if I'm being honest, Simon, was we just wanted to get out. We wanted <laughs> to move out as quickly as we possibly could. So mm-hmm. it was like a stopgap. 
Mm-hmm. So I was just like looking for jobs. Steph was in her last year at uni and we were like, we were really trying to get out of the, out of the community as quickly as we could. But you didn't move out. You, you stayed and you stayed for a long time. How come? So I was offered this job about a year later. I found this like really good opportunity. Uh, this guy phoned me. He offered me this job, £30,000 a year. This was like 94. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, seemed like the perfect job, but it was in Amsterdam. And he was like saying, oh, Dave, I'll fly you to like work every week. And it just sounded like this amazing opportunity. But uh, at that point, I'd started like a little holiday club for some local kids. And mm-hmm. I was like running a Saturday kids club. So mm-hmm. some people may be familiar with kids club, but this is where it all sort of started. So we'd go out visiting local kids. Like as you went to the corner shop, you'd, you'd see some kids and get to know them and then say, sort of speak to the parents like, oh, would Billy like to come to like kids club? Hey, just an opportunity to do a bit of a Scouse accent there. Go for it. Cause you go there. Right there, Billy kid. How are you doing, lad? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you so you just like get down with the kids, play a bit. They play this game called Kirby, where you throw the ball against the curb, and like so you, you just start interacting. And because the kids, our community is absolutely amazing. It'd be always like, "Hey, mate, how you doing?" Like they, they, like even like little kids would be like properly interacting with you. Like you just go into a corner shop or whatever. Mm. Um, and God just broke my heart just for these kids and for these families. Um, like I say, it was a very. Uh, it's a very tough neighbourhood and, you know, there'd be kids running around sort of late at night and you'd sort of wonder, like, what on earth, like, who's looking out for the kids? And mm. like I say, I just thought the only hope for this community is Jesus. I just thought I have to do something just to try and help them to understand God's love and that God had a plan for their lives. So I had this opportunity to, like, further my career or to carry on doing this this ministry that I'd just only sort of been doing for about a year mm-hmm. but i couldn't do both and that was the thing i had to choose between like which one am i going to do and i just thought and prayed about it for like two or three days with steph and then i just i just decided i need to like serve my community carry on working with the kids and i turned down this like amazing job opportunity um but when i did it i knew that it was kind of like i was sort of having a change of careers if you like yeah. um so I, I went on to to run kids club uh, for 17 years yeah. um uh, half that time i didn't even get paid for doing it i was just like a volunteer i was just at that I, I was so full-on passionate for like doing kids ministry in my community and it just spread like from one community to the next the next and at one point we had like five six hundred kids going to kids club every single week and we had people coming from all over the uk and we helped set up 200 kids clubs right across the uk wow. so that that was my life like for 17 years i was just like full-on i was a kids evangelist and i still get stopped every week to this day going oh kids club was the best um so that's how i ended up just living in liverpool um living in Toxford for 20 plus years i now live about a mile down the road a bit close to like on the same street as my mum and dad mm-hmm. um so that's that's basically how i ended up being in liverpool and staying yeah and you talked about you know, a whole bunch of years where you didn't get paid how did you pay the bills so uh we lived by faith and which to some people might sound a bit mad or a bit crazy steph was a full-time teacher so that she had a salary but mm-hmm. i didn't mm-hmm. um but God provided Simon in the most unbelievable ways. On, and it did these little things like, say like, 
a window got broken, be like, oh my goodness, we haven't got 50 quid to like fix the window. And then someone would just go, oh, I just want to give you a gift. And it'd be like 50 quid. So yeah. that's obviously a really simple illustration. Then like after two years of living in the flats in Acorn Court, we thought, oh, do you know what? I think we, we love living in this community now so much we would suddenly like oh we just want to live in liverpool eight we love toxter this is where we feel god's called us to be so we looked into like can we just buy one of the little terraced houses now back then they were like 15 20 000 pounds mm-hmm. my dad had 10 grand and he sort of said like dave i can lend you 10 grand so you can like buy this house and you can do it up but when we worked it all out we were two grand short mm-hmm. and then so we thought oh maybe or so maybe we just we can't buy it we you know we haven't got the money but then, like, in that week, someone just got in contact, someone that we didn't even know, we'd never met, and they literally just said, we've heard about what you're doing with the kids in Liverpool, and we wanted to send you a gift. And it was exactly two grand. It was Love the it. exact money that we needed. Brilliant. They didn't even know us. Yeah. Mm. Uh, honestly, I've had times where, like, literally I've had five grand posted through my letterbox. I had another time <laughs> two grand just appeared in my post box in, yeah. in, in actual cash. Wow. Is that from a drug dealer you helped out? I don't know, but I, 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 <laughs> you do wonder sometimes. You're just like, so where's this money coming from? And literally, that that two grand, it was literally, we needed the money. Yeah. Our car had broken down. We were just thinking, what on earth are we going to do? We can't, we can't like fix it. We need to replace it. We haven't got the money. And so that's just, just a few different examples, just God provides. And then you just know, like, okay, God's got us where he wants us to be. And mm. the Bible says, like, God provides for every good work. I've I've lived by that for, like, mm. 30 years, mate. It's just like, because it, I always sort of say, well, if it's not, if I'm not doing a good work, I don't want to do it. I'd rather, I'll, I'll, I'll be an accountant. I'll be a graphic designer. I'll go and do, I'll do something else. But if it's like, if I am doing a good work and it's where God wants me to be, then God promises that he'll provide. He, he knows what we need before we even ask. So it's just like, and it's always a good way of just knowing, you know, and I often just, with all different ministries that I've done over the years, I've always said, like, Lord, I just, you just try to hold them lightly and just say, God, you know, if you wanted me to do something else. Um, but yeah, God just, it's just God providing again and again in so many amazing ways. Yeah, I find those so inspiring. I've got those stories as well of God's provision in it. You just know you're on track. Sometimes you can get discouraged. You can think, am yeah. I doing the right thing? But absolutely not. And then they, you put markers in the ground. Don't you? you remember those yeah. times, you go back yeah. to them. It's like building altars to the Lord, like um, Abraham did in, in Genesis chapter 12. He built an altar to the Lord. It appeared to him. He needed to hold on to the promises of God for him. And uh, you've done that through thick and thin. I sort of picture, weren't you known as, by everyone as... Captain Dave, yeah. is that your title? Yeah, yeah. So everyone knew me as Captain Dave. I, I remember like, I was even introduced. I spoke at this like conference uh, and like had the, the then uh, Home Secretary uh, <laughs> introduce me as Captain Dave. It's just like, so, but it literally started as I did a kids club holiday club mm. and it was like a pirate theme. Um, and one of the things that our kids club just totally grew, I had amazing support from my parents and from Steph, my wife, yeah. uh, and also from the church leaders. So they actually let me build a pirate ship. So like the main, it wasn't a massive like chapel, but it was like the inside of the, of the church. Mm-hmm. I turned into a pirate ship with like a cannon and masts and like, you know, uh, it's absolutely fantastic. So we kind of made like, kids club it was just like this incredible like saturday morning club that the kids just absolutely loved being a part of but yeah that's where the sort of nickname came from like because a lot of the kids that i knew back then in the 90s they're all like sort of 30 plus Mm -hmm. 
So, and, you know, some of them are doing really, really well. Uh, a lot of them are going to church. And I, I still know men and women who, like, went to kids' club when they were little, actually baptised four people two weeks ago. Uh, three of them all went to kids' club. And mm-hmm. now they're, like, 25 to uh, over 30. Mm-hmm. Um but they, everybody just knows me and talks to us as like Captain Dave, but probably like in other places too. If there, anyone that's ever had any connection with uh, Frontline Church in Liverpool, and we set up 200 kids clubs wow. in, in the space of about five years. So we, do these, we did these training weekends and people would come up. So every month people would come up to look at kids clubs. So we get like 25 to 30 people every month for five years. And that, and that we trained them out to how to do kids' club. That is so wonderful, isn't it? That's the multiplying out of uh, Ephesians four. You know, the evangelist, pastor, prophet, teacher, whatever. Our job is to equip God's people to do Amen. it. So you're mul- multiplying out yourselves out through two hundred or so kids' clubs. Shout out to Frontline Church for their support through the years to you. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Um, uh, so it was Dave and Judy Connolly and Nick and Journey Harding, and they they were just like you know, spiritual mum and mums and dads and like surrogate parents and just, you know, very, very supportive. And now uh, they're not related, but John Harding, he's the senior pastor. Mm. Um, so yeah, just, I've been part of the same church for 30 years now. That's uh, so good. And I actually, a couple of years ago, we were well, at the start of the pandemic, actually 2020. Uh, um, I was asked to lead a church plant for frontline church in Toxteth, mm-hmm. which I may become to in a little bit but yeah, yeah it's, it's like it's been, I've been very well supported which you know, is crucial been, yeah it, utterly crucial utterly crucial for any any ministry or any sort of community outreach you 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 want that support and it's you desperately need that support from you know your local church yeah so I'll be coming up and speaking um, at Frontline Church in November looking forward to seeing you then oh brilliant I yeah. just want to touch on the longevity piece there because you can't fake it you can't fake 30 years of involvement relationships can you and one yeah, of my mantras yeah, yeah, that comes yeah. repeatedly for me is everything is relationships so yeah, those guys yeah. trust you trust yeah. you and Steph you've yeah, lived it yeah. you've breathed it speak into that a bit okay I, I would say like I've had amazing support from Frontline uh, Church in, in Wavertree for 30 years but I'm, I must be really honest Simon I think it's important to be honest like um, I've had different times where ministries that I was really passionate about um, mm-hmm. and really involved with and like literally was giving my life to got shut down or closed or, or, or funding ran out. Um, so there have been times where I was just thinking, oh my goodness, how, like, so like for me, kids club stopped, the buses stopped and the, the funding wasn't there. The money wasn't there. And I did feel at the time, like, God, what an, I think it was quite, it was around the time when we first met. Um, and yeah. I remember just chatting and praying with you about it. You were discouraged, and, and, you? and, I, and I, I was really, and even to this day, I just, I still have questions like, God, why, why did that come to an end? Because you were bussing in what, how many people, how many buses? We were like five, 600 kids a week were coming. Um, so there was various different things that happened. I won't go into all the details, but the bottom line is, kids club for me stopped because the buses stopped i have honestly spent best part of a million pounds on on ministry in kids and young people that is the level of support that frontline gave me when we were bussing in five six hundred kids we were spending uh 800 pounds a week on buses hiring buses so we had eight double decker buses um and it 
you know, in some respects, we were, it almost got bigger and bigger and bigger and then almost like the wheels came off the ministry because it was like, it, it just kept growing and growing and growing, mm. which I think shows you that the need is there. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I would, I'm just kind of being honest that I was just absolutely devastated and then was like saying like, God, what do you want me to do? But I, I honestly believe now that God was preparing me more for what I'm doing now. So mm-hmm. obviously I've been a kids evangelist. Uh, I was a youth evangelist. So I was doing kids and youth. So I basically did kids and youth. That's all I did for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And now it's like God's brought me into a new season. More recently, I've, I've become more, I'd say like a community pastor, like a, like reaching whole families. So I'm like my strategy, that I believe that God's given me now is to reach whole families. Whereas back in the day, it was more like reaching kids and young yeah. people. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, listen, let's, let's just hold on for that because let's chronologically vaguely follow that. Um, you, you, cause I picture you as dual tracks in your life. You've got the toxic piece and, and you've got the, the four points piece. Tell us about where, where the four points came from. So the four points is a really simple tool. Primarily it was designed to help kids understand the gospel and to share their faith. Uh, so that was 2005. At that point, we were, like I say, we were bussing in hundreds and hundreds of kids. Uh, and we used this very simple verbal way of explaining the gospel, which was God loves me. I have sinned. Jesus died for me. I need to decide to live for God. And we would use that every single week with the kids. So if the kids wanted to be in a game, it'd be like, oh, who knows the four points? Mm-hmm. And they'd put their hand up and there'd be some music. And then you'd go, point number one. And they go, God loves me. Point number two, I have sinned. Point number three, Jesus died for me. And then you'd go through the four points. <laughs> and then they'd be like, oh, brilliant, you're in the game. And then be like, they'd get left to like put their head in a bowl of custard and try and like <laughs> eat a marshmallow or something so so we do like mad stuff but then they win like fantastic prizes like a liverpool shirt or you know mm. like we did some brilliant brilliant stuff with the kids so it was just absolutely fantastic but the heart of it was just like it was a church for kids yeah. and we wanted every kid to know that god loved them he had a plan for their lives sin's a problem we've all done stuff wrong even Mm. as kids but when jesus died and rose again he made a way to take away our sin to give us this brand new start and to forgive us of our sin and we just need to make that decision i'm going to make jesus lord i'm going to decide to live for god and give jesus my life so we wanted a really simple tool to do that and it was like the 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 wristband craze was out i don't even remember that every kid had a wristband didn't they going up their own arms of all different like uh organization um and that's basically me and my friend nick gillard we sat down and went oh we've got we've got to have like a kids club wristband Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was like going, we and we've got to have the four points on it. It's got to have the four points. But it's just like, oh, we can't like fit all those words in. It's not going to work. And we'd used like visuals and symbols before, but we'd never actually like properly like designed a logo, as it were. Mm-hmm. So then we sat down and said, oh, well, maybe we could make it into a logo. Like, what would that look like? And literally in the space of ten minutes, we designed the four points logo. Oh. Uh, that there wasn't anything else like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we, we really looked, but there wasn't. So, and then we spent three days designing the four points logo. And, uh, there's a little prayer card, like a fold out prayer card. Some people may be familiar with that. So I, I wrote that and designed it in 2005. That has now been translated into 30 different languages. 
and it's been printed millions and millions and millions of times, like all over the world, like every country you can imagine, like street kids in Kenya, uh, street kids in Bogota, you know, or every South American country, North America. I think in Mexico, there was like a, a national mission and they printed it four and a half million times. Oh, wow. so thou, and, and, and I make the artwork freely available. Mm-hmm. People get in contact with me from like Australia or some some country and they'll say, oh, can we use the four points? And then I like just give them our terms of use. Mm-hmm. So if it's like paper, like literature or f- posters or flyers, it's like it, it, or digital media. It's all free to use, and I just go. Here's the vector artwork. So yeah, so that's so. It, but it all came from like, how do you reach yeah. a kid in Liverpool with the gospel, and how do you make it so simple that they can like share their faith with their friends? And yeah. I think that's why people love the Four Points because it's so simple. Because essentially, it was designed f- for kids. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, it's just like a dead simple tool. But yeah, we we. God gave us the idea in 2005. Amazing. Can you give us some of the crazy stories of people using it, you know, coming to faith? Yeah, I mean, I, I use it all the time. So because it's an equation, people quite often say heart times, like, what, what, what do those symbols mean? Yeah, so it's like someone saying, how do you become a Christian? Um, so even like just the other week, a lady, I was chatting to uh, a lady, we run these prayer houses and talks to us. So the church that we run is like house to house because mm-hmm. we haven't got a building. So we go down loads of different houses. So you go to the same houses each week, but then you get invited to new ones and you meet new people. And I spoke to, to one lady. She said, I'm not really sure if I'm a Christian. And I said, oh, okay. So then like, I just, I remember four points we spent on. So I pointed to the first point, the heart. I said, oh, do you believe that God loves you? Do you believe that God's got a plan for your life? She said, yes. I said, do you believe that you've, done things wrong the bible calls that sin yes do you believe that jesus when he died and rose again he made a way to take away your sin yes so it's just like so i said like do you know what you're really close to being a christian but there's a fourth point you need to make a decision mm-hmm. uh and then god just put it uh on the heart to, to share romans 10 9 and i said look, look can i just show you this verse it says if you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I said, you just need to make a decision to say, I'm going to make Jesus Lord. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to decide I'm going to stop living for myself. I'm going to start living my life for God. Is that something you'd like to do? Yes. Yeah. So literally, Great. I promise you, Simon, it was one minute conversation, mm. maybe 90 seconds. And this person, I she to be fair, I used to know her back in the day because she went to kids' club, but now she's like 30. And I'd seen her really for for ages and literally just out of the blue. I don't know if I'm Christian. And two minutes later, she was saying, can I pray now? I want to pray now. I want to to decide to give my life to God and I want to make Jesus Lord. Mm -hmm. So that's just like one example of like someone coming to faith. But I know like Louis Palau's used it in like a massive, big citywide mission in Romania people use it for big city-wide campaigns we've done a few of those in liverpool so we've put it on 30 buses 100 cars we had like over 50 churches all basically promoting the gospel and promoting the date of easter sunday so that's another way that it's been used it can be used at youth events for food banks any kind of like church outreach like we personalize the back of the tracks I also do fundraising. So if people give a donation to the four points, I literally go, right, there you go. There's a free box on our website. So I've given away in the last three, four years, 
over half a million personalized <laughs> tracks. Love it. Okay. And and people think like Four Points is like some big ministry. It's not. It's like there's one person and there's two other directors and mm. that's it. But I'm the managing director. I, I have to run it from house. So I've got like one of the little rooms in my house is like my office and I've got all my stock in the attic. So it's like it's like a little family-run business. All my kids have been involved with it. My wife, Steph's been involved. So, yeah, but it's a very simple little tool, but it's just gone all around the world. It's just absolutely amazing. It really is. I've got this lovely sort of cheesy grin of just satisfaction listening to you talk away. It's so good. Now, you got a wooden MBE, didn't you, in 2012, but that wasn't for the four points. What was it for? That was for uh, services to kids and young people in Toxteth. Uh, and, and they did say, like, when they contacted me, they said, oh, like, we want to, like, give you an MBE. But then I got the letter, and I just opened, and I thought, well, that's a bit weird. Like, um, I, f- I forget, you've had an MBE, haven't you? Like, the letter that you get looks quite formal. <laughs> and it's like some majesty service or something else. And I'm thinking, I literally thought, oh, my goodness, like, what have I done? I thought I'd done <laughs> I thought I was in trouble. So, uh, so then I opened it and I, so I, I snuck off and went, I'll go and read it somewhere quiet because I think in case it's something bad. And then I opened it, I just like burst into tears. It was like, I was just absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, that was 2012. And they said for services to kids and young people in Liverpool. But I remember specifically saying, no, 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 can you change it? I want it to say for service to kids and young people in Toxteth. It was like, I was really specific, like, this is my heart. This mm. is like, this is where God's placed me. That's where I'm still doing ministry now. Um, every single ministry that I've done, kids, youth, I ran this big citywide youth event called Space. Um, Mighty Men are like, sort of like a mentoring project. So I've done loads of different things, but it's all with a heart of saying, how do I reach kids? How do I reach young men in Toxteth? How do I help lads sort of not get involved in all the sort of gang stuff or drug dealing and stuff that's going on. It's just like, there's got to be an alternative. So it's like every single ministry that I did, it was just like, it was focused on toxic. Mm. Um, so yeah, but that, that's, that's what I got my MBE for. So that was a special day. Yeah. It, was, it was a lovely day. Hey folks, I love it, the impact of this podcast, and thank you, those of you that are spreading the news. Could I challenge all of you listening to this? Could you share this podcast with three of your mates to see if they would subscribe? It's just getting great news out there. And listen, if you want to receive a weekly WhatsApp ping, just one ping, to make it easy for you to share with other people, because often I listen to podcasts and think, oh, that's brilliant, but I find it hard to know how to share it. You can sign up at greatlakesoutreach.org forward slash WhatsApp. That's greatlakesoutreach.org forward slash WhatsApp. And then you get one ping a week that you can forward to your mates. Then also, how about uh, a weekly email on it? That would be greatlakesoutreach.org forward slash inspired email. You could do that, greatlakesoutreach.org forward slash inspired email. And uh, there are giving options there if you want to support the podcast. It's under the auspices of Great Lakes Outreach, and we're serving the poorest and hungriest country in the world in Burundi. So I'd love your support in that. Anyway, God bless you for your encouragement, support, and emails. Loving it. Now let's get back to the podcast. Angie, all that time, you're, you're Captain Dave, you're doing door-to-door stuff. Did you say you reckoned by that stage you'd done 100,000 home visits? I just find that mind-blowing. Yeah, so that, that would be I'd home visited 100,000 kids. Right. So I, I started off, me and Steph would visit about 30 kids in Toxteth between mm. us. 
And then it's slowly like more and more kids wanted to come to kids club. And then after a point, it'd be like, there'd be a like hundred kids that we were visiting. Now you'd visit the kids, but maybe like on one given week, maybe like 30, 40, 50 kids would come. So not every single kid that you visit, visited would come, mm. but they were regularly coming. Um, uh, and then, and then slowly, slowly just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then at one point I was honestly, I was visiting 300 kids a week <laughs> and it, I, I did it on Wednesday after school, Thursday and a Friday. And it used to take me 10 hours. Wow. And I did it every week. Yeah. You get to meet so many kids, so many families, obviously like you knock on the door and then you go, Oh, hi, is your mum there? And like, you, obviously the, the parents are always there and it'd be like, kind of like on the doorstep. Mm. Occasionally like the parents would go, Oh, Captain Dave, like come in. Or like, or do you want a cup of tea? Or do you want like a biscuit? Or like, you know, and, and you'd have to in there go, no, no, honestly, I'm fine. And obviously, because you knew I've got to go to the next street and the next street and the next street. And mm. it was almost a little bit like the Pied Piper. Like you'd end up <laughs> with like 15, 20 kids like walking around and like oh. sort of trying to drag hold of your leg. And I used to do this thing called like an arm and a leg. Like you'd sort of like, they'd go, oh, give us a swing, give us a swing, Dave. And then you like, you'd get hold of their arm legs, swing around and, and there was one lad, Lili, he's in his 30s now, but I still see him regularly, uh, Lili. And he, he was like, Dave, two leg, can I give me a two leg swing? I was like, no, that's a bit risky. And he's like, no, 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 no. So anyway, we ended up doing it. And he ended up being the first person. I gave him, a, I used to give him a one leg swing. So he'd like, he'd lie on his back and I'd just hold on to one foot and then start. And it was like the 90s, you've got to remember, Simon, there was like the same health and safety <laughs> yes. precautions that you, that you have to have now. But yeah, but it was just like, you know, it was just a beautiful ministry that enabled you to just, connect with so many kids and like everywhere you go and you just like praying for kids praying for families and just like serve the community and just and we saw like hundreds and hundreds of kids come to faith yeah. literally hundred you know it was amazing what are your favorite stories that come to mind of lives changed obviously now i still know lads uh, or men and women who are still part of the church so i helped a lot of lads um get married settle down be good dads. I mean, I think that's a really m massive problem in my community yeah. of like um, either absent fathers or just broken families. That's the only way I can think to describe it best. And just the pain that that brings to the kids. I mean, I, even this week, yesterday, I was just going down, going around doing prayer houses, just had a lad just in floods of tears with his mum. And just, uh, just saying, oh, my, my dad's not got time for me. Um, mm. and, and, and that's the heartache of broken families. Um, yeah. when families break down, it's the kids that just are right in the middle of it all. And like I say, like going back to earlier, it's just like when I grew up, I, I, I didn't know any better because I, I had an amazing mum and dad who never had a cross word and I always felt loved and supported and how amazing that was for me. And then I just thought... If, if I any way I can be like a surrogate dad, um, yeah. and I did, and I, you know, I, and I and I even to this day I have like kids that will say to me like even like a few about two months ago I had a kid saying oh will you be my dad? Mm. Yeah, and it's just like it's really heartbreaking. Yeah.
Yeah. And, and it's just like, well, I can't, I can't really be your dad, but I can be like your uncle. Do you know what I mean? And it's just like, but but they, but kids are just longing for the father's love. They're longing to be loved in that unconditional way, and quite often that doesn't happen for lots of different reasons. Um, but yeah, there was there's one lad. There's there dozens and dozens of lads, but particularly, I think God has put on my heart to to be a father to the fatherless and to work with young men. Um, mm. So I I help young men and, and because we used to like run mighty men and people used to come to my house and they'd sort of see my family i think i i became quite aspirational to the like lads to go oh i want to be like captain dave yeah and not only that like so when i was running mighty men like i mentioned my parents already so my dad and my mum and dad they're in their 80s and they, they're still involved they got in they, they they took early retirement when they were 55 so they for nearly like 25 years They've been like doing kids club, doing all like mum's night out, all the different ministries that we've run. And so when we were running Mighty Men, it was like the lads that we were, that are in the Mighty Men, they could see what a good father-son relationship looked like. Because mm. they used to call my dad like Grandpa Jack. Yeah. So they could see that my dad totally loved me and I loved my dad yeah. and I loved my kids. And sometimes... People just need to see that. And I think that's why it's so important that, that churches do local outreach and they're sort of seen out in the community. So the church that I run in Toxas, we don't even have a building. We've not really got any money and we just go house to house to house. But we're in people's lives. We're in we're in people's homes and, and they can see church and family being modelled. Uh, and they've got like a point of reference to what a good dad looks like. Because obviously, if, you've, if you don't even know your dad, so like one lad, Eve, He's like, you might have met him, actually. He's like, he's a cra crazy guy from the Congo. This is uh, the guy that's got his tattooed four points as MMA. Yeah, he, he, he's a, he's a semi-professional like MMA fighter. So he had a fight a couple of weeks ago, knocked this lad out, got <laughs> fight of the night. And he, he, but he's got the four points tattoo on his arm. And he's like, Dave, you know, he wanted like the four points like on his actual MMA shorts. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, okay, okay. So I sorted that out for him. So he's like sort of, you know, going into the, because they fight in a cage. Mm. Um, now, obviously not everyone's going to be like into the sort of martial arts or fighting, but like he, he's just really good at it. Mm. Um, but I remember like even as a teenager, he'd be like a street fighter. So he'd get into fights. And just because of all the madness of stuff that goes on sometimes, like sometimes people just want to start a fight just to have for no reason or yeah. i think one time he almost he someone tried to stab him and it was just like and he he, he he came around to my house and he was mighty men was on he was like oh dave i've just like i've just you know i've just this lad was trying to front me up and i just like walked away and it's just like i've seen lads that have been in a very difficult situation but they've gone no 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 i, I i'm a christian I'm one of the mighty men and I'm not going to, I'm not going to respond in the same way. And yeah. I know one lad, someone was like after him because he was just, he was friends with this other guy. And this, the, basically the, these guys were trying to like stab him and cause him some problems. So someone in his family like opened the boot of the car and said, Oh, here you go. Like pick one of the weapons, just go and sort them out. And I'm talking like firearms and stuff. And he literally turned and said, no, I, I don't want to be like you. I'm living my life for God. Mm. And you, you, you just, you know, things like that would not happen if they didn't have people in their lives that they could look up to and that, that they would think, I, I want to be like Dave. I, I'm sort of 
showing them, like I say, what a good dad looks like, what a good husband looks like. But yeah, Eve, Eve, bless him. He, he, he you know, I, and I baptised Eve. I baptised a lot of, lot of people uh, from our community. And I just try and support them best where I can to, to live for God. Um, but, you know, but it, that's not always easy. And mm. life can be complicated, you know, even even for us, you know, life gets complicated, doesn't it? And it's, sometimes it's just like, oh, my goodness me, like th- this has happened or the bumps in the road or things happen that you weren't expecting. But I think sometimes if, if you live in a really tough area, then it can seem like you get an unfair share of like Absolutely. heartache or problems that you've got to like deal with. Yeah, yeah. I um, I wanted to go back to you mentioned uh, China earlier on, your heritage, because on the Four Points uh, lo- below the logo and stuff like that, I've got my, my coat with me, my, my hoodie here, mm. and it's written in Chinese. Uh, mm. What does that mean and why have you put that there? So that's the, it says, God loves me. So it's uh, pronounced Sunai War. So that's Mandarin for God loves me. Um, and it, it's in memory of my grandparents. So they, they were, uh, they went to China as missionaries for 10 years. Um, just amazing. I think there was like hundreds and hundreds of people that went to China. I think it was about eight, 900 people that went as missionaries. So they were in Sichuan province. They would have been in... Uh, China at the same time as uh, the guy from Chariots of Fire. Yeah, Eric Little. Eric Little. So, and then uh, she got all all her teeth pulled out. Is that right? Yeah. So my 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 granny, uh, they were in Sichuan, so they're there for ten years, like going from village to village in quite a sort of very like inner China. Uh, they came back on furlough uh, just bef- just before the start of the Second World War, and they were planning to go back, but they knew where they were working. It was very, very remote. Uh, so what some of the missionaries did, so they could just carry on doing the work that God had called them to, they actually had their teeth pulled out. So my, my granny in her 30s had all of her teeth pulled out for the gospel because oh. she thought, I don't I don't want to like have problems with my teeth, and then I've got to like come back out of Sichuan and get to like somewhere where I can like have someone see to my teeth. Mm. Uh, So she had her teeth pulled out and then she wore like these dentures for the rest of her life. Um, It's it's unbelievable. Now we we look at sort of world missions or whatever and we we think, oh, I'll go and do a year or I'll I'll Mm. do a month or I'll do, do you know what I mean? But yeah, I mean like people used to go to Africa and the the life expectancy was six months and they yeah. put their belongings in a coffin. Yeah. That, that that was their suitcase. Sierra Leone. So yeah. yeah, so that so that's that's my sort of like family. That's your heritage, life. isn't it? My, it is, it is. It's a and real so, privilege. Yeah. And so they so that's why uh it that's why that Chinese writing is on there. Uh Sunai War. So yeah, that's it's just in honouring and in just in memory of my grandparents. Mm. So listen, we're vaguely coming into land, but you, th- this l- last most recent chapter of your life is, you've already mentioned it briefly, but you know, the sort of houses of prayer or ch- ch- mm. church planting, you've got to be creative and use a different approach in your con- context. Yeah. Share, share a bit more on that. Yeah, so that was, um, I just felt like God say, like if you look at Jesus' ministry, it's like he, he would say to Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite often like as a middle middle class mindset, like we do a midweek group, it's like, oh, do you want to come to my house? To mm. the sort of to the house group or whatever it is that I lead. And it was very much, you no, know, God was saying like, do the opposite, go to people's homes. So I, I we started off with one prayer house and we just said, look, I will commit 
and come here every week and we'll pray for you, pray for the family, and we'll basically do and be church in this person's home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's slowly grown from that. So we've got about 25 different homes that we regularly go to. We don't go every single week, um, but we do go out like Wednesday, Thursday, different days to visit people in their homes. Um, so I was out like last night, went to a few houses. Um, we could often use like the, the TVs and like put on YouTube worship, um, share something from the, from the Bible. Um, you know, just absolutely beautiful, like, um, some of the houses and some of the times that we have. Um, but it, one of the things that I've done that I've, I think the new strategy that God has given me is just like to not be constrained by the size of your hall or the yeah. size of your building or the size of your ministry budget. Cause I haven't got a budget. And I haven't got a building. <laughs> so it's like, uh, but I've got a massive heart to reach families, to reach my community. So it's just like God gave me a strategy that couldn't like, that can basically God willing that it can just, his kingdom can just keep growing and growing. He can just go from one house to the next house to the next house. Yeah. So yeah, that's what, that's the, you know, what I'm doing now. So we call those prayer houses and we just commit to go to local families and pray with them. Like I say, we've seen people come to faith. I saw someone come to faith like two or three weeks ago. Uh, we baptised four people. Like every time we have a baptism service, like there's someone else that's ready and wanting to get baptised. And then you just do the best you can to just support that family, to support that person, to to carry on living out their faith, growing in their faith, and just helping them to know how to live for God. Um, but it is very much church in the house, and we are going house to house. Mm. So it's quite sort of like, book of acts i suppose we we haven't got like a a building um and then obviously i i I work full-time for the four points um so that i've basically made that's i've made my living but that that's that's not straightforward that hasn't been easy especially like post pandemic uh you know so i'm still very very much reliant on god's grace and provision for me and my family Mm. um so but like, you know, that's, that's been me for like 30 years now. So that's, yeah. you know. Well, listen, I'm going to plug you because, um, you know, it's harder, it's harder to plug oneself. But uh, the p- p- part of the reason of doing this podcast from the get-go was to flag mm. up great works of God in, in different countries and different parts of this country. And and so we will put in the blurb uh, how people can sponsor, get behind you, whether it's a monthly contribution or a one-off. In fact, just say, where should they go? Yeah, um, like I say, anybody that donates to the Four Points, we basically just create free resources for churches and mission. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my absolute passion with the Four Points. Obviously, the clothing helps people to share their faith individually, but I love to facilitate and equip churches for local outreach and mission so people can support that directly through give.net. Uh, the four forward slash the four points so it's all one word and it's the the number four mm-hmm. uh and then for the, all the talks the stuff and the stuff that i do personally so if you want to support me and my family maybe put that in the blurb or yeah. the link at the bottom Give me uh, those it's, details. Like a funny, no, it's not a straightforward sort of a sure. link and people can be in touch with you at dave at the number four points.com points. yes yeah, so that's that, that's the best way to get in contact with me anybody honestly that's listening to this who wants to use the four points just google the four points you'll see loads of images it's been put on buses cars mm. like you name it 
like footy shirts. People yeah. just use it for it, the most creative ways possible. If people want to use the four points, please, please, please just email me, Dave at the four points.com. Uh, I'll send you the artwork. And like, I get people contacting me every week from all over the world and I just send them the artwork. Any question that you ask me to do with formats, usually the answer is just yes. <laughs> like, so, so like, um, it, it's there, it's a tool for evangelism. And we've got tracked artwork available in 30 different languages. Yeah. Wow. You know, we've had Deborah Green on and a number of the message guys, Andy Hawthorne, and uh, in what was, well, it is Manchester, but it was known as Gunchester, where the police recognised formally the, the influence of Christ followers in that community in reducing mm. crime levels. Mm. Um, I don't know if there's anything formally in Toxteth or, or whether, but the fact is that over a few decades there, there'll be so much, there'll have been so much less gun crime and, mm. and gang mm. members and drugs. Have you, have you any, any stats on that? Uh, I, I can't, I've, nothing that I can prove. So not, um, but yeah, I know that I've prevented murders. I know that I've stood in the gap with lads and shown them a better way. Yeah. Um, and obviously that's an ongoing battle. Um, you know, you think there's like hundreds, of, if not thousands of kids and uh, young people that just, you know, have a, a sort of almost like a, a a moral compass, if anything else. Do you know what I mean? Of just like between right and wrong and making good decisions. And, you know, I don't think we'll ever know uh, the impact that we've had yeah. um, this side of eternity. So I, and, and I just think, well, I'll just keep doing everything I can, do the best I can with the resources that I've got. And, you know, like I say, I've had times I've had, a lot of money or budget for ministry and right now i've not really got any but it doesn't matter because i've got god is is still using me so praise god i'm 54 now i think i've still got you know my best lap to run yet yes uh, so that's that's my attitude it's just like i'm just going to give everything i've got i must say very quickly simon i've spent quite a few years i've i think four points has been such a blessing for me uh, as a dad and for my family because it's something that we've been able to do as a family yeah. and go to all the fam all the different festivals so i would probably say i've had a season where i've been much more focused on my family mm -hmm. and that's been absolutely amazing um uh and but yeah I, i'm like i've got two at uni i've got one about to go into sort of sixth form so uh you know, it's getting that balance right, isn't it? But I'm I'm absolutely ready for whatever God wants me to do for this next season, and hopefully it will be in top stuff because that's where my heart is. Yeah, I love that. You got your best lap to come. Bring it on. Well, listen, Dave, I'm totally inspired. I've been really encouraged by this. Uh, we could we could go on longer, but we'll we'll quit there. Um, I want to thank you so much for what you do, and thank you for your time. Just cheering oh, you on. Bless you, Simon. It's been honestly, it's I love seeing you at festivals. Hopefully, I'll see you uh, soon. Thanks ever so much for having me on. Great stuff, guys. I trust you've been inspired, encouraged, stirred. What might that look like in our community? Um, yeah, I'm very, very challenged listening to that. And uh, look, if you if you enjoyed it, give us a great review on Spotify or iTunes. Um, we'll put Dave's details in the blurb as we talked about. If you want to be in touch with me, simongilbert.com. I want to thank Adam Thomas Steer for the editing and Mike Sandiman for the mixing. Next week, we've got another fantastic guest. In the meantime, you guys have a great week and toodaloo. <laughs>